Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the Riderflex podcast, we have guest Colin McIntosh. He's the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. They make sustainable bedding from eucalyptus trees. They don't harvest wood from any ancient or endangered forests. Instead, their trees are grown on sustainable, managed, and biodiverse farms. Plus, for every tree harvested, they plant two more. Colin McIntosh on the Riderflex podcast. Colin, uh, you in Denver today? Uh, yeah, I'm looking out of the Rockies right now. Very nice. Very nice. By the yeah. way, have you, got to, have you got to go out to eat at a restaurant yet? I mean, I, by the way, for the, mm. listeners, for the listeners, we're recording this on June 16th, 2020. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I, went to, uh, I went to happy hour yesterday, actually, and it was nice. I saw, I saw a good friend of mine, and, um, you know, was the restaurant was, was my dog Harvey, by the way. Uh, the restaurant was like very responsible. They took everybody's contact information when they came in in case oh. there, you know, is a case or something like that. They can contact you and let you know, Hey, we had a confirmed case come through here or something. So it was pretty, wow. it was pretty nifty. I, I, yeah, it was good. To, it was good to get back out there though. I was, I was really happy. Wasn't it refreshing? My wife and I went to the first restaurant just like a week and a half ago, first night out since, I don't know, late February. And it was mm-hmm. so, ref- it was just so great to be out. I, I you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I was just just sitting down and like talking to somebody else, like in an environment like that, and like ordering something, and it was really it was really amazing. I mean, I I basically only cooked my own meals like the last three months, so uh, yeah, it's nice to get out. Yeah, if you're listening to this two or three years from now, this is we're on the well, I'd like to think we're on the back half of the coronavirus situation. Uh, so that's why what we're talking about here. Colin, tell us yeah. about you. Tell us about you as a, as a person. Give, give us some personal uh, information, family, where you grew up, school, stuff like that. Uh, well, I am from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area, ah, uh, okay. County. And okay. uh, I, yep. And I, uh, I went to Emory University in Atlanta. Uh, my Saw parents that. are both uh, yeah, my parents are both entrepreneurs. Uh, my dad has his own law firm, and my oh. mom uh, started started an acupuncture clinic in um, I don't know 1998 or so. So I kind of always grew up with um, my family just being their mm. own bosses, being self-employed, never having to worry about like another um, you know another manager or something like that. And so I've always uh, kind of had this like mm-hmm. thought that I was going to start my own business one day. I call um, it the, uh, I call it the entrepreneurial bug. You had it early on. Yeah. In a sense, I mean, like it just made sense. Like why would anyone want to work for somebody else? <laughs> uh, which is a weird thing you know, to say, but, uh, so I, I, then I went to my first job in Connecticut. I worked at a hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates, um, which is the world's largest hedge fund. Um, and then I became a recruiter actually. Uh, and then I hired myself for one of my startup clients in Seattle, which was fun. Uh, and moved out to Seattle. And that was my first job in startups and my first job in biz dev. And wow. then 20, 2015, I got an opportunity to do Techstars Boulder uh, with a company that I helped to 
write the original business plan for and was on a founding team of. And then in September 2017, uh, that company, unfortunately, uh, we all got laid off at 1 p.m. on a Monday. And I started Sheets and Giggles three weeks later. And now it's almost been three years since I started the company. So um, I'm, I've been officially working at Sheets and Giggles longer than any other job I've ever had in my life. You, you, you uh, took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, if you look at your LinkedIn profile, yeah, you had a very short one, <laughs> one or two years working for somebody else and then boom, it's been sheets and giggles. When it's you, been when, nice. Yeah, yeah. When, you're, when your dog walked up, I just thought for sure you were going to say, this is my dog giggles. <laughs> no, this is, so this is Harvey. This is Harvey. Harvey is, uh, you know, awesome. he's, he's our main model and uh, he's, you know, my best buddy. And he's been, he's been my, be my best quarantine friend through all this and I right? love him so much. If you actually, if you go to, if you go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Harvey, he has his own uh, page on our website. So he's our, very, we call him our VP. What's that? Very VP of what? VP of marketing is what we call him. <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. I love it. By yeah. the way, same for us. Our dogs are on our website. I love that. You guys do such a great job of just keeping it fun and entertaining. And, you know, I love that about your, your culture and the vibe that your brand puts off. Does that, is, does that come from you? Is that your style? Are you driving that with the team? Where, where, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I set, I set the tone with the brand voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote every, every piece of copy that you read, I wrote at some point or another in 2018 or 19 or 2020. And, um, and then I, the last six months, we actually hired a guy by the name of Chris, who we actually got him from Spiro, and he has been absolutely fantastic. I love him, and he uh, basically um, has come in and done a tremendous job of like getting the brand voice right away, like understanding, um, you know, how to how to walk this line between like funny, sustainable, and premium, which is a really hard tightrope to get. So it, it actually is a huge load. It's a huge load off because the brand voice is the hardest thing to like scale out and to, to delegate. And so um, I'm really, really pleased with them. And we just launched a brand new website today, actually. So. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. But, but now you weren't, you weren't, a, uh, what was your major business? I can't remember. What'd you major in school? So, so at Emory, I went to the Emory business school, goes out of business school and I majored in finance and business law. And then I had a second major at Emory college in economics. I mean, um, I, I just so, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, right away when I saw you on YouTube and I looked you up, I thought, Oh, this is a sales and marketing guy for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny when you, when you, I got a, I actually got a B minus in marketing at Emory. Um, I always want to, I, I wrote, you know, my, my term as one of my funniest, my, my favorite stories. My term paper that year, you had to invent a brand, a consumer brand, and you had to, you know, uh -huh. write a go to market. You had to write a go to market plan. This is back, you know, maybe in 2010 when you know they were still teaching the four P's and the five C's or whatever the hell it is, right? And you know, they're heavily, heavily physical retail focused, and uh, and I wrote about a brand that was a uh, a sports drink for dogs or just a drink for dogs, and I called it uh, Terrier but it was spelled terrier, like, you know, like Harvey. And I, and I wrote Terrier and I wrote this big go to market plan for like this, like, you know, pun based kind of uh, brand. And my, mm. my marketing professor, a guy named Chip, I want to, I want to send him, I hope he knows that I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> he, he like, he like gave me like a C and I remember he circled it up top 
And it was very unusual. I had like a good GPA and everything. And he was like, I, he wrote, I don't get it in big, bold letters, like for the, <laughs> for the brand name. Right. And it's so funny because when you think about the marketing professors and like the way that they teach kids marketing, it's so outdated and pointless mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, it's like if, if he, if, if I was teaching a marketing class today, what I would say is like, if you're building a brand, you don't want 80% of people to get it right? You want 80% of people to maybe even be turned off, uh, oh, at least good. in the beginning. But mm. then in the, in the 20% of people, you want to like completely obsess over it. And so I think that's what we've done with S&G is like, we have some people who are like, you know, hey, this like feels, you know, like I'm not going to buy sheets from like a funny company. I want like to know that I'm buying serious sheets. And, we're, and we always respond like, you can just read our, read our reviews. Like they speak for themselves. Um, at least we think so. And then other people love us and those are evangelists or word of mouth. Like that's how we get our organic traffic and organic growth. And, um, you know, I, I think that people that can't take a joke, um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to sell those people anyway with whatever company I started. So exactly. By the way, can you give us the three minute elevator pitch right now for sheets and giggles? Go for it. Yeah, sure. So I, so S and G for short, uh, is a pun based bedding company as is obvious. And we sell bed sheets, comforters, duvet covers, pillowcases, uh, throw blankets. We're adding in a bunch of new product lines this year and next. And, uh, we were founded in October, 2017. Uh, our sheets are made from uh, a material called eucalyptus lyocell, which is very different than cotton, um, or polyester or a lot of other fabrics people are familiar with. And it's actually much more sustainable. So it uses up to 96% less water than cotton sheets. It mm. uses uh, less energy. It uses no insecticides, no pesticides. Um, and it's a really, really fantastic product. Lower coefficient of friction than cotton. So it's smoother, softer, better for sensitive skin. We have people who have fibromyalgia, eczema, um, all sorts of different ailments, uh, you know, neuropathy. And they let us know that our sheets are the only thing that can help them sleep through the night. And that means the world to me, because I actually have a herniated C4, C5. Mm. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night because of pain, yes. but it's torture, it's, it's torturous. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to hear that. And, and, um, and so, you know, it's, it's just one, something that I think when I started the company, I had this idea for like a really fun, sustainable bedding brand. And I didn't really realize the amount of lives it would like touch in a very short That's period great. of time and, mm-hmm. and what we've been able to do. And, you know, even with the COVID-19 crisis, we've ended up donating uh, $40,000 to the state of Colorado for COVID-19 emergency relief. Nice. Um, and yeah, and that's, that means the world to me because, you know, startups succeed, startups fail, and you don't really know what you're going to do or not. And I've seen companies that were doing great just completely evaporate in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, look, I really want to look back and be able to say no matter what happens with the company in three or four years, that we really, you know, we really made a difference um, and like tangibly helped people. So that, that makes me really happy. Very nice. By the way, if all of that is, if it's sustainable and it feels better and, and all these things, why aren't all the other sheet companies making it from eucalyptus trees? We say that it beats the sheet out of us. Why they don't do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So it's cotton's like, um, it's like a legacy product, right? So like if you are, if, these are a lot of fabrics, especially cellulosic rayons, which are, you know, people are familiar with like bamboo viscose or modal, which is made from beech wood and spruce and pine, um, mm-hmm. or lyocell, which is our fabric, which is made from eucalyptus trees. It, people are familiar with cotton and polyester and maybe bamboo and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. linen. But like they're, you know, when you look at the textile market, polyester, which is a petroleum-based synthetic, 
crazy cheap manufacturer. I'm talking a set of bed sheets. You could manufacture polyester for probably like three bucks. I see. Um, and yeah. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like a, it's a pricing issue. I mean, our manufacturing costs are probably three to four X what our closest cotton competitors cost are. Um, okay. and that's why it really frustrates me when I see people sell cotton sheets for like 200 bucks, because <laughs> Their margins are fantastic, right? Uh, but you know, it's, yeah, yeah. But uh, so you know, it, it's just a, it's a number of different reasons, and consumers buy what they're familiar with. And I think the companies, when they start up, they generally take like the route of least resistance. And truth be told, once you set up your supply chain and manufacturing uh, and your brand voice around, you know, this is the best long staple cotton. Like you know, multiple presidents sleep on our sheets. Like who, who cares? <laughs> um, then like, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, it's like impossible to kind of like branch away, no pun intended with the competitor I just mentioned, branch away, uh, from, you know, like this branding that is kind of now restrictive. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to play into it. Gotcha. Now, and where can you buy the sheets besides your own website? Right. And it's, and it's sheet, it's sheetsgiggles.com. But besides that, Amazon? Sheetsgiggles.com. So no and in the URL and then Amazon. We're also, uh, pretty high ranked in the sheet category now, which is nice. I think we're, we're close to 600 reviews. We've got 4.5 stars on Amazon. Oh, awesome, uh, we've, awesome. yeah, 4.8 on our website and 4.7 on our Facebook and quick, quick segue there for the listeners. If you're buying something online, check their website reviews, check their Amazon reviews and check their Facebook reviews and it, look for a couple things. One is like for one of our competitors, fuck it. I'll just say their name. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't allow um, organic Facebook reviews. And instead, they plug in their website reviews to their Facebook. Mm, interesting. It's my opinion that they do this, and this is just opinion, it's not a claim, because they cannot control their Facebook reviews. Mm. And so it would harm the brand if they, if they didn't have that control. Because mm -hmm. their products are, in my opinion, not um, the best. And so when you look at their, and then that's backed up for when you look at their Amazon score, it's, I think it's like a 3.9 or 4.0 and you look at their website score and it's a 4.5 or 4.4 and you ask yourself why the huge difference. And then with another one of our competitors I've seen who does allow Facebook reviews and I'm not going to mention their name because I really don't like these people and I just want to stay separate. <laughs> they, ha they have a four point, they have a 4.8 on their website. They have a four point two on Amazon or 4.1 on Amazon, but that's weighted unweighted. They have a 3.9 on Amazon. And the difference between that is they have a lot of unverified Amazon reviews that say, I tried to leave a review on their website and I could not. And so I'm getting an outlet here. And then if you go to their Facebook, they have a 3.7 review scoring compared to the 4.8 on their website. And, <laughs> not, and it's this type. This, sorry, go ahead. You're not very competitive. Are you? <laughs> I can't, I, 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 dude, I hate, I hate this shit. I like, it's the, the thing, it drives me crazy because consumers don't like, you know, I, I don't know. It's our policy that like, if somebody leaves us a one-star review, first off, everybody has different tastes. So like, it's whatever. And second off, you know, it's usually because they have a problem. Like, you know, they got the wrong color. They, you know, they right. ripped a hole in their sheets or whatever. And we'll just take care of them. You know, we respond and, or we improve the products or whatever it is. And I think that that type of transparency and honesty and integrity like goes a really, really long way. It we've does. never hidden, a, we've never hidden a one-star review on our site. You can read, you can read all, I think there's like 20 of them out of 2000 or something like that. 
and we responded to every single one of them and we fixed their issue. And, you know, some people take it down, some people don't, but that's their prerogative. And I just, this, the whole like direct to consumer industry is I think so unscrupulous in so many ways. Um, because, and it's also, and this is probably maybe, I don't know if it's controversial. It's just more of like, I'm going to say something that might piss some people <laughs> off. I think that it's like super self-righteous in a sense, right? Where it's like, you know, every direct to consumer company has to be changing the world. Right. And I say, <laughs> right. and I say, and I say that as someone who like active, I, I want to help people. I want to do good things. I want to donate money. And we donated bed sheets to Denver's homeless shelters during this crisis. And like, you know, we, we, we do a lot of stuff that I'm very proud of. We plant a tree for every order. We planted tens of thousands of trees in the United States, you know, for, for orders for reforestation. And, you know, this is like a discernible thing on our bottom line, but it's, but it's, you know, it's what it makes me feel good and what makes our team feel good. And, but it drives me crazy when these direct to consumer companies are like, we're changing the ways that cultures interact with one another. And it's like, no man, like you sell a suitcase, like, or it's like, you know, like we're, we're changing the way that people think about personal hygiene. It's like, no, you sell a toothbrush. Like what do you like? You know, I just, it drives me crazy. And so that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened a, to that's a, that's what, a tangent. That's a tangent. what happened to just having a company that just delivers a really good product? That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It, is, it always has to be, it always has to be this like huge, and you, you know what it is, if I can be completely, completely honest here and, and maybe, maybe uh, help some people out there that are maybe earlier in their career. It's a recruiting thing. And you know this because you're a recruiter. Yep. So when you're pitching, and I, I used to be a recruiter. So when yep. you're pitching a, a candidate on a startup, you're not pitching them very, very rarely you're pitching them on the salary. That's right. And very rarely are rarely. you pitching them on the equity because maybe. Very, because usually maybe, right? And usually it's like a pinch, right? A pinch of stock options. Yeah. And very rarely are you pitching them on the benefits. It's all about the cause and the it's mission. It's all about oh, the man. cause and the mission. And so these can these consumer, <laughs> these D2C consumer companies that I'm in the same, you know, freaking industry with, you know, they all have to be changing the world so that way 22 and 23-year-olds <laughs> come out of college, don't know what the hell they're doing, and they'll take, you know, $40,000 in San Francisco for like 80 hour work weeks, which they can't live off of. And then two years in, they're like, Oh my God, like I sell suitcases for a living. Like what am I? And, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. I sell sheets for a living. Right. I'm not, I'm not shitting on that, you know, industry, but I'm just saying that like, it's, it's a, it's almost like a frustratingly good like recruitment and retention ploy to get people to buy into something special because people need to buy into that to feel fulfilled especially the millennial generation my generation mm -hmm. i think that yeah. i know my generation is like tremendously obsessed with like needing to feel like very very fulfilled in their work and yes. i that's great i mean it's a good it's a good thing in a lot of ways because people my gen, i love the activism for my generation especially right now i mm -hmm. love what people are doing i'm so impressed with with the millennials and gen z and how they're you know putting putting a lot at risk right now to try to make a difference um, but at the same time, it leaves them open and susceptible to, you know, taking an offer that they shouldn't take from a company that maybe they shouldn't work for and a manager that they're not going to enjoy in a couple months because they get sold on this mission. Um, and so I've good. never done that. I, I tell my team, I'm going to pay you market rate. I'm going to give you meaningful equity. I just doubled everybody's equity last month because like, what's, what's a few points off my bones? I don't get, I don't care. Like, so and, you, diluted, you, know, you diluted yourself. You I deluded do myself. Yeah, I just still nice. I just double, you know, I'm, and and you know, it's a verbal promise right now we're doing the paperwork now, but like yeah. you know, it's it's just it's one of those things where I was just like where it's one of those things where like it 
I never, I never, I, I explicitly tell people in our interview process, like we sell bed sheets and the bed sheets are a vehicle. They're a vehicle to, you know, changing our lives. They're a vehicle to right. changing other people's lives. They're a vehicle to helping people sleep through the night. They're a vehicle towards, you know, um, like doing good in the world. And like, we, we donate so many, so much money in trees and product, like, and we can't, we, we were a pledge 1% company. So if we sell for, you know, a hundred million dollars, we get to donate a million dollars to Colorado charities. So like, we're, you know, we're, there's so many things set up in terms of like our variable cost structure to do good as a function of doing business. Nice. But I, but I, but like, I don't tell people that we have some grandiose mission to like change the way that people sleep because it's just not, it's not genuine. And I, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's like startup founders believing their own, um, <laughs> their own stuff. <laughs> I, li I like, uh, yeah, so. I like, I like on the website, there's a bar that runs across. It's like breaking news. We sell betting. I love that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we, we just added that. That's part of the new site today. Yeah. That was, that was a good thing. Chris, Chris did a lot with this new site, man. I really like the, uh, cool. the, the copy that he came up with. My, my job description was if you feel like you could write for Seinfeld, I would like to hire you. That was my <laughs> job description. Oh, that's good. That now that that that's a good recruiting uh, strategy. By the way, the the brand has, um, it, it, the fun part of it has that Dollar Shave Club fun mm -hmm. fun part, but higher end uh, higher end product. The Dollar Shave Club. I didn't think I didn't ever consider them high end. Yeah, I thought I thought of them as a convenient fun category. I right. see you. I see you as fun and high end. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And it's, and it's a hard tightrope to walk. I'll tell you that. Like it's, yeah. you know, it, and I actually really like that because I think it makes us the most differentiated brand on Agreed. the market. Um, and Agreed. like, you'll, like, you'll never see in another betting company, like three dudes in bed with avocado face masks, <laughs> drinking red wine. Like you just won't, you just won't see it. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, and, and truth be told, if I can comment, that's one of our most famous pictures of me, me in bed in yeah. particular like two I years see. ago yeah. with two dudes, yeah, flanking me to yep. my good my good buddies who drinking wine and we get a lot of comments about how um and i don't want to downplay this at all but because this is pride month but you get a lot of comments about like how you know um non-heteronormative it is and how you know it's nice yeah. to have some different like you know i think somebody said thank you for the poly homo representation <laughs> um which was an interesting i, I don't, Very nice. you don't you don't see that on a lot of bed she does um, but for me, when we took the picture, I just thought it was a funny picture. Um, I thought, I thought it was great. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was great. And, and I remembered yeah. it. I mean, it's very rememberable, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Yep. I thought it was, I thought it was great. So how, how yeah. big do you, do you mind sharing now? How many employees now, by the way? Uh, so full-time we're seven. Uh, so we're okay. still very small, but we, as a function of doing business, I mean, I couldn't tell you the amount of people that I pay on a weekly basis. Um, oh, I, should, I, I should, I, I should know that number. Um, I would say it's probably about, uh, 40 people that touch the business. It's 30, okay. 40 people. Manufacturing um, is where? Yeah. Manufacturing. Uh, India. Okay. And okay. And do they, same company handles your supply chain or is that so yet yeah, that you outsource or you outsource that too, I'm assuming? So I actually, I actually have a director of product. Um, his name is Mike and he is, uh, he's my rock. Um, okay. and so Mike does, he's director of product and operations. So he does all of our, um, you know, uh, uh, product prototyping, testing, uh, manufacturing relationships, supply chain management. Um, you know, he does all of our international logistics and operations and our warehousing and 3PL. 
and he has 40 years of textile supply chain manufacturing experience and I love Mike and I'm so happy that he's working on this with me. <laughs> do, do, he does the 3PL from LA or, or where do you bring we it do, in? We do, we do LA and Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, okay. Yeah. Is, yeah. is your family still in Fort Lauderdale by the way? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's one of the reasons I actually chose uh, Fort Lauderdale for a 3PL is because I'll fly down there to visit them I just swing ah. by, swing by the warehouse, you know, and get get lunch with the peak guys, and um, it's great because it builds like a nice relationship with our with our three PL, which I think a lot of brands don't have, and they're very very responsive and helpful for us um, when we need them. By the way, uh, I used to do business down there on a regular basis, and I'd always go to this restaurant in Lauderdale that reminded me of something out of Goodfellas. It was called uh, Anthony's on Eighty Four. Uh, mm, Anthony's. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. Anthony's. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. My my uh my parents actually know the owner of Anthony's, and then he just he just opened up a new place on US One. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really good too. Yeah, yeah, very cool little bar area. I'd always go if I had a chance. Um, yeah. and then how about this? So you've been in business for I think you said three years. So, um, did you did you raise cash right away? Did you bootstrap and then raise? Can you give us a little color around? how you got it going. And the reason I asked the question, you know, a lot of the listeners for the, for the Rider Flex podcast, they're either early entrepreneurs or they're aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, folks that want to start something, have an idea. And the biggest question I get is how, like how'd they do that? How'd they, how'd they pay the rent and get that started? You know, can you just give us a little color around how you got it going? Well, so it's a, it's a, it's a, the answer to that question is it depends on what your goals are. So if you are someone who, you know, has a goal of, I would like to be independent and have my own company, then bootstrap or crowdfund um, okay. all, all day long. Uh, don't, don't raise money because once you take money from an investor, you are no longer independent. Um, even, even if they don't control anything, uh, it's just you, you have fiduciary responsibility to them. Um, if your goal is to build a massive company, you got to understand the capital requirements that that's going to take. And I think that that is, you know, every, every journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Right. And so, you know, most people are going to do a seed round in the range of several hundred thousand to, you know, maybe $1.5 million to get started. Um, and in that case, there are a lot of options out there in terms of looking at uh, doing a, a small raise on something like an angel list or uh, doing an equity crowd fund. Um, if you do, and this is if you don't have connections, right? And then if you do have connections, if you have mentorship, uh, you could think about asking people for warm introductions to seed funds. There are a lot of great seed funds in Colorado. Um, Rocky Venture Club is funded. Uh, Sheets and Giggles, they led our last round. I can't recommend them enough. Go to their pitch events, pitch your company. Uh, you'll be shocked to, uh, to see how many people you know, want to invest $10,000, $20,000 in your business. And when you put you know, 10, 20 people of those together, it really adds up quick. Um, and then, uh, you know, Techstars has been super transformative for me and for the company and for my professional acumen and career. Um, and I wouldn't trade, I've done Techstars twice, 2015, 2019, once as an employee, once as a founder, changed my life both times. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Techstars, for those that don't, those that don't know Techstars, it's a global accelerator with programs in I think 50 or 60 cities now. Um, and uh, they probably have one nearby you and they have a class every year and 10 companies and um, it's a great, great way to build your, your connections and your acumen as a startup founder and CEO. Um, in terms of what I did to cover it briefly, mm -hmm. I knew I was starting up. I knew I was a first time founder and CEO starting a pun based betting company after my last company had just laid me off at 1 PM on a Monday. So <laughs> I, 
I think the first person I ever told cheats and giggles about outside of maybe a couple very close friends and family was a guy named Paul Foley, who's a guy, guy in Denver that a lot of yes. people know. He's, he's been on the, he's been on, he's been on, yeah, he's been on, on the Rider Flex podcast. Yep. And he'll, you'll recognize the name. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm having ramen with Paul and I think it's probably, probably early 2018 or late 2017. <laughs> and I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, I got a logo made. I got a website and telling him, and, and I said, you know, I told him about the betting company and I said, and it's called Cheats and Giggles. And I think Paul like took a bite of his ramen and then he just kind of like looked up at me and he was like, the fuck are you talking about? Like that was like, that was his like exact <laughs> response. <laughs> and, and I think that that is, uh, oh, I think that's, that's so like good. the, yeah. And I think that that's exactly the, the reaction that I anticipated from any investor that I would try to tell about the company. And so right. I knew for, I knew, and, but Paul, to his credit ended up, he, you know, he said, well, are you going to do this? I said, yeah. And he said, okay, well then I want to invest. And he was one of our first investors. Um, nice. and nice. You know, just because he, he knew me and he, he trusted me to, you know, work my ass off for it. And, and so, you know, friends and family seed rounds. So what we did was a friends and family, $60,000 angel round just, and that money is actually okay. was not, that was not needed. Actually, I could have bootstrapped it through the crowd fund. I see. But what I, what I wanted to do was, and this is kind of a weird thing is I wanted to make myself beholden to people that I love and people that I respect and to people mm -hmm. that I want to work with long-term. Uh, so I had like attorneys uh, that I've worked with in the past uh, invest I had my parents invest. I had former colleagues in my last company invest um you know paul and basically what that did is it forced me to say okay this is not just something that i'm working on for me for colin this is something that i'm now working on for others who have trusted me and who love me and who you know want to see me succeed and that was a real that was really great because it put this i think that external pressure is good if it's something that you need and i need mm -hmm. that um and then we did it we ended up doing a crowd fund because i knew that was from day one what we needed to do to prove that this was a concept that could do get, get traction and we prepared like crazy and we ended up doing $284,000 crowdfunded uh, in May 2018. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For bed sheets. Oh. Pro <laughs> proudest, pro biggest crowdfund ever on Indiegogo for the bed sheets category, uh, nice. which is a funny qualifier, right? Biggest ever for bed sheets. But, <laughs> but there were two other betting uh, crowdfunds that launched on the same day and one did 50,000 and the other did 15,000. So we, we blew them out of the water. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a really incredible experience and, proudest achievement in my life is convincing thousands of people to wait five months for bed sheets. And, uh, <laughs> I have a very special relationship with my crowd funders. Anybody that backed us on the crowd fund, they email me personally a lot sometimes. And, you know, we had like two or three thousand of them and you know, they'll, they'll ask me for favors and other stuff and resume reviews and like a weird resume review, famous person on Reddit. Um, and very nice. Uh, well, that's nice. Know, of you. That's, that's, that's nice of you. So crowdfund slash friends and family early round, basically, if I'm doing the math there, you had 300 and something thousand to kind of get you started roughly somewhere in there. Bingo. And then, oh. and then we started pre, then we started pre-selling and then we did half a million dollar round with the pre-sale numbers. Okay. And then we started, then we started shipping, did tech stars and then did 1.35 last summer. Uh, oh. And that was a strategic growth round where basically the pitch was, here is our current trajectory. I would like to double it. Um, I would like to raise this money to do that. Is and, Colin uh, is Colin is Colin still in control? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. We've um, I don't uh, I don't trade uh, board seats super super easily. I started this company. I think that I think that I've been really introspective in the last couple of months with like why I started the company. I think a lot of people have mm -hmm. you know come to a lot of conclusions in the last couple of months about their lives. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, be curious to know what you if you had the same experience. Same. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, but the one of the things I realized is that I've been working to work, and I've kind of forgot that like work is a means to an end, uh, and it's not, you know, an end in and of itself. And right. so that you know that's something that I uh, I've lost personal relationships, you know, because of of my work ethic and the company that I've I've founded, and I've you know I've had a hard time um, you know, in some regards with that. And, and so just trying to think about like, you know, what's important to me. And I found this company to improve my life and my friends' lives and my family's lives and the lives of others and, uh, do good, have fun, make money. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I'm saying here other than, um, when it comes to like giving up control of the company and who you work with, you have to be very, very, very careful um, about who you bring into the fold because I've, I've turned down now at three separate occasions investments ranging between three hundred and five hundred thousand um, dollars mm-hmm. because it just wasn't the right person. To, you know, to yeah, it goes right back to what you said. It's like, hey, if, you're, if your mission is to build a giant Fortune 500 company, okay, I guess that's cool. You're going to have to take on enough money to lose control on the way to that. Right. I mean, you, you, you just, you'll, you will end up just being an employee at some point, most likely to get to that. Now, if you want to build a lifestyle business, if you want to, what I call a lifestyle company, you know, nice company that has, you know, a handful of employees that you can make a difference in their lives and you can enjoy life as an entrepreneur and be the, the majority stakeholder on the cap table. That's great too. And it really depends on what you, what you're after. Kind of like you said earlier, what are you really after? Uh, forget the about trick the trick is how do you do both? And yeah, so how do you that, do both? And, I don't and know. So that, and so that, well, that's my, that's what I think I've done. A, if I'm, if I'm making to my own horn, that's one of the things that I love about our fundraising so far is, you know, I've got full control of the company. Yes. Uh, I have empl- employees with meaningful, meaningful equity in the company. I, you know, we're growing every month in 2020 has been bigger than the corresponding quarter in 2019. Very good. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, you know, going to grow probably three X or so this year in the middle of a, a pandemic and we're going to do it profitably. Um, so you're and, not burning, you're not burning cash right now. You're profitable. Uh, we had our, we were officially profitable as of uh, last month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congra- yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. What, what'd you do Thank your you. first year? Yeah. What'd you do your first year in revenue? Can you share that or no? Or is that too, too private? First, first year, 2018, we did 600 K, but nice. that was, nice. uh, yeah, that was 300, 300 from the crowd fund. Right. And then another 300 in the back half of the year. Mm. Um, and most of that came in November, December, I think November, December combined, we did 150 in 2018. Um, and then 2019, uh, it's fairly public. It's, it's out there. Okay. Um, we did, we did a, a little bit over 2 million. So we grew about, about four Congrats. Apps. Congrats. Um, and then 2020, I don't have an exact number for what I think we're going to do, but, but I do think we're going to end the year on an eight figure run rate. Um, wow. Wow. So that's, that's really exciting. Multi-million dollar company that's not burning cash anymore and you're still in control of the cap table. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, trust, trust me, man. I, when you get, I've gotten, I've gotten fired three times in my career. I've gotten laid off once. When you lose your health care suddenly that many times, you've, you've 
changes your perspective. <laughs> yeah, I had somebody ask me the other day, um, you know, how much money would uh, would uh, somebody have to give you for you to give up control, you know, of uh, Rider Flex? And I said, I don't know, but it'd have to be a shit ton. <laughs> yeah. Because if I give up control, then I'm just a, I'm just an employee, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's just sorry, I had to plug in my computer and just didn't want to be awkward yeah. and walk around plugging it. Um, but yeah, so I, so I think that like that's that's one of the things that people just need to decide in terms of fundraising what they're going to do is like what are the what are their goals? What are their, what are their goals? goals? And I think that that's one of the hardest that's one of the hardest things for people I think to like decide because and they're going to change over time. That's the other thing is I really I really enjoy like you know thinking about from time to time like what's different about me what do i care about more and um but you know also something i started doing recently that i really love that i started asking all of my employees in our one-to-ones what is a personal life goal of yours that i should keep in mind um in the next you know three to six months that's and, a great idea great idea. yeah and then that way that way i know you know just kind of what people are working on buying a home or you know thinking about you know potentially uh traveling a bunch or you know maybe starting a family and then that way it just, it just helps me keep in mind people's life goals so that way I'm, I'm also being cognizant of theirs as well when i make these big decisions very good do you have any by the way first time uh ceo advice for the listeners you know folks yeah. that folks that folks that used to be an employee they started a company because they had an idea or they built a product and then all of a sudden they look up and they go oh shit i got 15 employees and i'm a ceo <laughs> uh that kind of that's kind of what happened to me um i i uh i think there's a huge difference a huge difference between a founder and a ceo mm. and i think that that's something that i think a lot of people will will talk about in terms of the alienation between the two the two skills and uh responsibilities so as a founder um you know you're doing everything you're wearing every hat you're doing the marketing the supply chain the customer service you're doing the fundraising, the pitching, the finance, the forecasting. Um, and it was great because I got to kind of understand every facet of the business extremely detailed and extremely, right. you know, intimately. And, but then as a CEO, I, I was a mic, I became a micromanager because I could not give, and you have these investors whispering in your ear, like, you know, like, Oh, you're the magic that makes this company run you're the, you know, you're the secret sauce, like, you know, whatever it is. And I think there's like a portion of that that can be true, right? Where it's like, I am the brand voice, like I'm, you know, like, yeah, in the founder's voice is generally speaking, the brand voice. And like, you know, I, other, I can think of, I can connect the dots in a way that other people in my company can't connect dots and like come up with strategies that they can't come up with. And that's fine. But when it comes to, you know, our marketing department, I've almost entirely passed off our marketing strategy and execution to a team of three, four people that is just absolutely crushing it since I passed off control to them. And was that hard? it comes was that to me hard? for budget. Was that hard for you? Oh, it was brutal. That was the, that was, that was the hardest part. <laughs> passing off product was passing off product and customer service were the first two things. I did that about a year and a half ago for each of those or a year, a year, probably about a year ago. And then doing the market, leaving the marketing be was such a struggle that it almost, I think it almost cost me a couple of employees mm -hmm. um, and a couple of good employees. And I just realized at one point I was like, you know what? These are good people that I'm going to be really, it's going to be really hard to replace them. We we're not desperate for cash. We're not, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to like, you know, go out of business if we have a bad, have a bad month or quarter, yeah. like let me pass this off to them, give them the reins and see what they do. 
and they have responded so well. And I think, and I, and I think that like, it's also learning about being comfortable in that role because it feels weird. I'm not doing all the things anymore. And <laughs> it just feels weird. And it, feel, it feels weird and it feels, it feels like I'm not doing enough. You but if you I mean? want it to grow, if you um, want it to grow, if you want the company to grow, you have to, right? You have to let go right. of some of that stuff. And, and I commend you for doing that a lot. I, have, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it where founders just won't get out of the way to let the employees help them grow the business. It's, I see it all the time, and it's key. The, the scary part is, and you touched on it, and I often tell people this, especially as RiderFlex is a recruiting firm, so it's a straight-up service business. It is super scary to continue to hire people and put your brand image and reputation in their hands, right? Mm -hmm, it's, hard mm -hmm. to let that, it's hard to let that go. But if you don't, it's, your business is not going to grow, right? You have to. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so kudos to you for being able to do that. I, I, I think it's partially informed because I, I did used to do recruiting. And so I've seen, I've seen founders have a hard time. Um, letting that go. And I just didn't, and I, I've been through tech stars and I've seen it and I just, I didn't want to be one of those, one of those guys. And you know, <laughs> I, I, it's a, it's a preventable mistake, right. But it's hard. It's really hard to get out of that mode and to give up that control. And, you know, you just got to measure it quantifiably and see how people are doing. And, um, but, and also you'll, you'll agree with this principle. People hire people that look like themselves. Yes. Um, and there's like negative and positive things that come with that, right? Like negatively, uh, people hire people of the same gender, race, creed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And then positively, uh, people will hire people. Like that's what you always want the interviewer to be the one who you, you know, if you could plug anybody in the company into that job, the interviewer should be that person, right? And then because they're going to hire somebody who kind of looks like them. So I looked around the other day and I realized like, oh my God, I've got a bunch of mini Collins running around. <laughs> And, and it's in the sense that they're all like, they're all smart and this, they're all, I love them. And I'm talking about them, not myself. They're all smart. They're all ambitious. They're all independent, fiercely independent. They, they don't, they, every single one of my company does not enjoy meetings. We have one standing company meeting over five minutes on the calendar every week. Um, wow. and they hate that. And that's a struggle to even get that to be, to be accepted long-term. Um, <laughs> we are now fully remote. Nobody ever wants to go back to an office. Because, and then I, you know, I, when we were talking about it, they were like, you know, we should go full remote. And I was like, well, you know, like, I think there's some benefits of being in an office. They were like, Colin, when you hired us, you said that you would never make us show up at an arbitrary time at an arbitrary place to do arbitrary tasks perform, you know, arbitrarily. And I, and they were like, so let's agree that you said that. And I was like, shit. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, I did say that. And so, and, and so like, you know, like, I love it that the two most common words at the company are no and why. And not in that ooh. order. Yeah. Um, ooh, ooh. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of remote. Riderflex is, was 100% remote, you know, three years before coronavirus. So yeah, I'm a, oh, wow. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I just feel like the recruiters and everybody on the team, we're all just, they're super productive. We're, we're on chat and Zoom all day long. I mean, right. It, I, you know, I probably have yeah. better touch to better touch bases with them, quite honestly, using Zoom than we ever would in an office. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, huge, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. Um, congratulations on getting the business where it's at today. I mean, really a major accomplishment for, for somebody that was involved early on in a startup, just, you know, shortly after your career got going, no real executive experience. You've had to teach yourself how to be an executive while you were teaching yourself how to be an entrepreneur and a CEO. And you got your second startup 
to profitability and multi-millions of dollars in revenue in three years. I mean, wow, that's pretty good, man. Congratulations to you and your team and, and your yeah. team. I, yeah, I, I, give, I give my team a lot of credit. Love the, uh, the messaging is fun. And you know what, what, here's what I was thinking when I was doing my homework on you yesterday and this morning, I was like, you know, this is fun. Like sheets are kind of boring, right? Like I would never even think about buying sheets and it being a fun thing to do. <laughs> but right. when I was looking at your but brand, that's why, oh, but that's cool why I did it. Yeah. Well, the beauty of it is that it's a blank canvas, right? Mm. So mm. you, you sort of have full creative potential to do, to do whatever you want. I mean, you want to, our first photo shoot, I got my friend Virginia in the room with a two by four piece of wood and a circle saw. And I told her, solve this in half while Tony sleeps in the bed behind you. <laughs> and, and, and she was like, okay. And she just saw, and then, you know, we get this great picture of like the sawdust flying off the, off the two by four. And like, we did the whole thing for a single bit, which was like, start sawing logs. Um, and like, and you know, like, and so, oh, wow, wow. So, <laughs> you should, you should do your, you yeah. should do your, you like, should and so, do your, you know, just, yeah, and, go ahead. I, 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 I usually do, I usually plan photo shoots around like one central bit. Like, so, you know, our comforter, our comforters we just launched, we had one central bit that was like, you know, uh, my buddy Rob was going to be writing. I use my friends for photo shoots because honest to God, I think that models respect the profession. I think it's very difficult for them to recreate the raw chemistry that friends have when they're together for photo shoots. Mm. And so mm. I, you know, I had my buddy Rob come over and he rode, rode his bike and he wrapped the comforter around him, rode his bike down the street with a full King comforter wrapped around him and his bike. And we did it just because it was like a take your comfort. It's so comfortable. You'll, you'll want to take it with you when you leave home in the morning. This was a week before COVID. So this is like, you know, poorly timed. Um, but you know, but the, but, and and then we did that. We did the same bit in the gym, you know, girls working out doing bench press with their comforter over them. And like, you know, we did the same bit in, uh, 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 the elevator and like in the office, we had a board meeting where everybody had a comforter draped around them. Um, you know, and, uh, it's just like, I don't know. It's just so much fun to, to just do whatever you want and then let the reviews speak for themselves and just entertain people. In your spare time, you know, you could start your own marketing agency, probably. <laughs> I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of spare time. <laughs> um, I know we're speaking of time. I know we're we're out of time. I'm already over uh, what I had just scheduled here. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Sure. If you had to define your core purpose in life now, and you had to put it into a sentence. And oh, it, you know, and it was something a little deeper than just, you know, make the world a better place. Let's go, let's go beyond that. You know, wh how would you, oh. how would you describe Colin's core purpose? And if you don't have an answer, that's cool too. Um, it's a that's tough a, one. It's a hard, it's a hard question. Um, my core purpose, I don't think, okay, this is, let's get, get heavy for a sec. I don't think that, that people, uh, I don't <laughs> <laughs> this, is so, this is so awful to say. I don't, I don't think that anyone has a purpose necessarily. <laughs> uh, and like, a, in, a, in, a, in a broad sense, like in a, in a, in more of like, a, you know, I think, and this is, I think most people might disagree with me on this, which is, which is okay. Like, I just, I think that like, you know, you're, you're born, you live, you pass. And, um, you know, there are 
infinite amount of moments that make up your life and and you you know you pass you pass in your life you know if you're an extroverted person like i am you probably touch you know thousands of people um along the way and when i you know i used to tutor the sat and when i got you know this uh this a guy i used to tutor he was a football player i tutored him for free uh, at his high school he's a football player couldn't afford sat tutoring i took him on as a student got a score from on the on the 1600 portion from like 800 to I think it was uh 1200 we got him up to and um that got him in the Dartmouth and uh wow. probably wow. hopefully you know changed his life wow. and you know it stuff probably like did. that yeah. it's the little it's the little moments like that that I remember right you know my my buddy my buddy Eugene right he uh he was 22 year old kid I was 23 year old recruiter at a client in Seattle uh, I was trying to convince him to leave his job and go join my client. And that was the same week that I got an offer for my job at that client, the biz dev uh, position. And he said, I'm on the fence about taking this offer. And I said, well, I want to let you know that I'm taking an offer from this company. I'm moving to Seattle. And so that was a strong signal for him, obviously. And so he quit his job, moved to Seattle. And now seven years later, he's still there. He just moved in with his girlfriend, who's one of my best friends that he met um, through me. Uh, when we were out there and uh, it, it's that I'm telling microcosms of little stories just to say like I think my purpose and anyone's purpose is to just kind of make the lives um, of the people mm -hmm. they touch like appreciably better That's um, good. That's good and stuff. yeah and I think that I think that like you'll you'll get that back in spades and mm -hmm. and uh, so far so good uh, in a sense of you know I don't feel like I've ever been I've been wronged I mean I've been you know I've gotten taken advantage of and I've had written some legal letters back and forth to some people um <laughs> you know my dad my dad's an attorney so I've got that gene that, you know, that helps in, in that too. helps <laughs> uh it's you know, it's baked it's baked into here as a, a 10 year old you get cross cross examined at the dinner table it's baked in there um but you know like it, it, in terms of in terms of like purpose that that's the way I would define it and and other than that um very you know, nice I, I you just be the best you can with what you got no, it's really good stuff. Colin, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing not only your story, but the story of Sheets and Giggles, S and G. I like it. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.